we are discussing rejection today. Um, it's a, a huge, interesting topic, a massively interesting topic. Um, I wonder if you can help me. I spoke to someone earlier on today um, and she said, look, I'm in a real state. I'm in a real state. I'm in love. She said, well, really? I'm so, oh, I'm just so happy. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm in love. It's like, okay. I really, really like, I've fallen really quickly. I really, really like them. But there's just a bit of a position. There's a situation. So what's the situation? They've got a girlfriend, but they feel the same way about me. So I said, so they feel the same way about you. Yes. Okay. So you both love with each other. Yeah, nothing's happened between us, but I, you know, I really want something to happen. And, and what's going to happen is that he said, look, we're going to, I'm going to split with my girlfriend and then we're going to date and it's all going to be okay. So I said, are you, you're suffering at the moment because of this? He said, yeah, I'm in, I, I, you know, I can't eat. I just, I, you know, I can't make a decision about anything. My, my life is, is, is in this way. What do I do? What is it that I do? Well, how am I going to, what am I going to do? And for me, this kind of model um, encompasses a lot of what I think we want to talk about today. These ideas that go on within relationships, that happen in relationships, forwards and backwards with regard to decisions and interactions. So I think that the subject matter you, you've chosen, you've discovered for this evening, rejection is beautiful. Can I can I just ask a question a little bit more from you about what, what is rejection? Um, are there different types of rejection? Are there rejection models? You know, is there a hierarchy of rejection? Um, is there kind of like a fundamental aspect of rejection that um, I'm interested? I uh, thank you. What uh, lovely opening because. I found it very interesting that first thing that comes up in our mind, usually when we talk about rejection is more emotion mm. or emotional ones. And I picked the topic, well, it was suggested to us. Um, and I thought, oh, actually it's a great idea to do it in a medical and yoga model because rejection, as you say, that comes in so many forms. It can comes in the physical form. It can come in, I don't know, medical immunity model it comes in obviously emotional psychological social and to make it hierarchical you can make it even to our existence we can re be rejecting our own existence sometimes and that's why i find it's a really interesting things to talk about because i know in the yoga model you have you talk about all these different aspects of life as well where actually rejection can happen so i thought oh it might be quite a nice way of kind of bringing the two views together about how we see being pushed uh, away. I think that's maybe the best definition of rejection I can find is the act of being pushed away. Sometimes someone or something, or the other one that I found is the act of uh, refusing to accept, um, which again, I think you might have something to say about that. Um, so refusing to accept, use or believe in someone or something, and that's rejection. Mm. And I think let's talk, let's start with the emotional one, because you started with that one. I think, how do we deal with being emotionally rejected? Yes, in 
in many different relationships, like the one that you mentioned is a romantic relationship where you want to have a more intimate um, connection with someone else and the fear of not being accepted as you are or um, having a connection established, so on and so forth. But also very, very commonly, as you and I are therapists in different modality, sometimes we get rejected in therapy as well. Our clients can feel rejected or we feel very rejected. Mm. One of the most common examples is when therapists ourselves take holidays. Um, I'm recently on holiday. And usually what we <laughs> notice is, is like telling clients, okay, there will be a few weeks that we're not going to be around. And it's like, okay, we're going to have to say a little bit of proper goodbye before the pause. And then what happens? The client doesn't show up because, I don't know, something happened. The bus was running late. I'm unwell. Oh, someone else needed my help, so I can't be there for my own sessions. And then what happened afterwards is often, okay, I'm away for a certain amount of time. And then they start, stay, sorry, they stop turning up for a few weeks after that as well because psychologically when I do uh, my supervision for psychoanalytical therapy they probably feel a little bit rejected even though they know full well that is a proper proper agreed break psychologically they may still feel rejected by the therapist Mm -hmm. and in some way they're reacting to it saying well I'm rejecting in my own term too okay so you end up getting punished by the client so as a, as a psychiatrist, you get punished by a client because you go away on holiday. So they feel that they've been rejected by you. And so they then in turn reject you, punishing you, in theory, punishing you, but actually hurting themselves. So I, I think that's really interesting because for me, the in yoga, the, the link with rejection is towards attachment and attachment theory. And so if there is an attachment, um, an attachment has two sides to it is the first side of the attachment is that you have a a pulling force so a force that you want to do something with it pulls in this way and so I want to go and see you as a psychiatrist and so I go and see you as a psychiatrist the pulling force towards it and I sort of start to get an attachment and form an attachment with you you then say I'm going on holiday and what happens is that that pulling force gets challenged and it becomes a flip and what I find very interesting within that flip is that that flip that attachment moves from being a pulling force to being a protective force one where we because the attachment's in the wrong way it pushes in the opposite direction so yoga is fascinating because it actually it describes and it was, it's interesting it's in the commentary of the second chapter of yoga sutra it actually describes um rejection in a very interesting way it it, it says it's a special kind of desire okay and and I was totally wild to get my head around this because in fact because there's this attachment because there's this 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 investment that's going on and there's this pull that's happening the movement in the opposite way is a special type of desire you know, I, I I want something. So if I look at all these different situations, the one that I just mentioned when we first started this is that I'm saying to this person, well, why don't you sit down and talk to this boy so that you guys can both communicate and you say, you know, where's this heading? What are we doing with this? And she turns around to me, she goes, 
but I'm I, I, I'm frightened of being rejected. I'm frightened of, you know, being him turning around and going, well, I don't want anything to do with it. That's fine. That's it. And I said, well, isn't it better that you know this now than actually you go through this long pain? Is he with me? Is he not with me? Is he with me? Is he not with me? And you go through this kind of process and process and process. And then finally you get together and then you find that he can't, doesn't want to commit. And then he goes into the relationship in the wrong way. And actually you find out straight away, you know, acceptance or rejection. You know, how do we stand with these type of things? So for me, it's, and my understanding with yoga is that it's a special type of desire. There's some special pull that's happening with it because of attachment. Um, and I think that if we start to view it in this way, we can start to unpick lots of different scenarios that we're being presented with again and again. So why people will not commit to doing something when, let's say, society wants them to do something. So they reject an aspect of something. So there's a, there's a, there's some underlying attachment identity that's going on that creates these movements in different ways. I don't know. It's, yes. it's just it's just an interesting thought based on what you're saying because I I, I think that it, we create excuses and we do lots of different things. And we mask rejection in lots of different ways. We turn it and flip it in lots of ways. Um, so we kind of like can blame someone else for it. You know, I, I don't I don't want to, you know, I don't want to marry you because actually if I if I marry you, then you know I have to move in with you and I want you to keep your independence. So we kind of, we kind of wrap rejection in lots of different movements, forwards and backwards, in order to hide the whole thing. It's kind of clever, and and I I kind of one of my jobs is to bust clients as you do, on this type of behaviour because you know this behaviour is it, 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 no one else busts them. Have you noticed that? Or they reject the busting, <laughs> which is often the other thing I find as well. Just, oh, but there's something else that I can. That's why I have to do it that way. It's like. Sure. <laughs> and I find I find what you said very interesting because yes, some a lot of the time we behave the way because we're anticipating rejection or we fear the pain from rejection. So it's like, I'm gonna reject that first. So that you know, almost we are reject we are rejecting the possibility that we're gonna get hurt. We are rejecting the possibility of being pushed away ourselves. So it's like, okay, if like my clients, oh, if I don't turn up, it's not like I've been rejected by my therapist is because oh I couldn't turn up for five weeks so the two weeks that you weren't here wasn't important anymore so there's always a little bit of that underlying psycho psychology that seems to be going on when we kind of being analyzed ourselves during as a therapist and I often think or in psychiatry we'll often link it back to our first rejection which obviously is going to be at birth um yeah, one of the favorite topic of mine to talk about um so a lot of the time we call it the first rejection because as we said quite a few times before, you know, inside the womb, baby's feeling lovely and warm, being fed all the time, a lot of rocking, the sound of water, it's just very, very nurturing, comforting environment. But as baby was born into often colder, drier, like lots of bright lights, lots of stimulations, overstimulations for the babies. It's, it's quite a harsh reality, harsh world to be born in. And yes, we often cuddle the baby and stimulate in different ways, making sure that it feels loved. But it's, it's a stark difference at, at that happened at birth, almost like a first rejection, which needed to happen because otherwise life 
curtain goes on, you know, as a in neutral form. But it's almost that experience that I think got reminded sometime. It's like, ah, suddenly we're no longer in the comfort zone. We, we're no longer being fed. We're no longer being nurtured so intimately. It was like, oh, now we have to do, kind of try to stand on our own and face uncertainty. And that, 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 it's almost kind of the feeling of rejection when I think about it. It's like, oh, mm, a bit cold, a bit isolated and lonely. And so it's really interesting because I'm so sorry for interrupting. It's, it's well, I'm not that sorry. Um, it, it, it's, um, it, it's kind of interesting because in yoga, rejection is described as that which follows the experience of pain or suffering. So what you just said actually sums the whole thing up perfectly. It means that rejection is that which follows the experience of pain or suffering. It means there has to be something painful or suffering for you to create rejection because there is a, an attachment that is there. So if you talk about this first, this situation again, but you've got that attachment. And then what's happening is that there is a pain and suffering which occurs as part of the birthing process. And then you've then got this idea of this, this rejection, which is that which follows the experience of pain and suffering that so do you see what I mean it kind of follows quite nicely I like that sorry for interrupting oh good um yeah so that that that's kind of the situation and then following on we we then through a life learn to reject different things and sometimes well kind of like the troubles too is when we learn the concept of no I, I often find um as children grow up and when they are around two years old, um, a lot of the time we call in parenting, we call the phrase trouble too, because that's the period when toddlers are kind of most troublesome, apparently. And I've observed in a few children, it is the stage when they learn the concept of no. They learn to challenge. They learn to challenge the adults, the authority figures. It's like when they can say no to something and kind of see, I can almost see them see it in their eyes. It's like looking at you. It's like, if I say no, how are you going to react? How, how, are, you gonna, how are you now going to deal with me? Because before then, they always comply. They always just, yes, they could be moved to certain places, told to eat certain food, and they now get to, you know, have the chance to have their own say. And that is actually quite interesting and a lot of the way exciting because rejection can itself be quite protective mechanism as well like no is a good protective mechanism but sometimes something like as i don't know let's say vomiting and diarrhea as well as, as a physical rejection something from our body yes. that can be very protective as well but what about the when we first say no and we start to say no we're, we're rejecting the influence of someone else now this becomes quite interesting because if you think about it in a relationship, you're learning to take the influence of another person. It, almost at a very early age, when you start to push the boundary with regard to no, and no one actually calls you out on that and just goes, actually, you know, you're two years old. Why are you saying no? And you just go, no. And no one's actually sitting there and doing anything. They, they start to do lots of different things. And actually, it creates and lays down a pattern. Because in a healthy relationship with an adult, there has to be an influence between two people in a healthy way, which means that you have to accept the influence of someone else rather than reject their influence. And the best relationships happen when people actually don't reject the influence of someone else in the relationship. They, they accept the support and the stability from each other within that. So that's I, I find that quite 
interesting when you just kind of and, and the idea again of this this kind of toddler going no 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 um and again it's something that when i'm working with people we discover that in different situations in different dynamics the first default that people come to is the word no you know they don't say yes they don't say yeah it'd be a great idea let's do this let's put it on they go no i'm going to find a way to say no and you can actually see that what's coming up for them is they're rejecting the idea they're rejecting all these things because it makes them feel uncomfortable because there's an attachment that's going on that's part of the way that they keep themselves safe and stable. And that attachment is being threatened. So they default to the behavior with the emotion that's coming up, which is no. I like it. It's really, really, thank you for clarifying that, Stanford. What I find even more interesting sometimes is they say no and then find lots of reasons and excuses why they can't do that certain thing. And then they give a long speech about what they prefer to do instead. And then you find them suggesting something very, very similar to the original proposal. It's like, Hmm. Very interesting. And that, that I think that maybe related more to our to webinar about control, but I'll leave it there. Um so, so basically what you've just done is you've summed up the method in order to work with a person that says no, because you have to be able to influence the no person. So the idea actually comes from now. Okay. Otherwise, what happens is you get caught in the trap of the word no. You feel rejected and there's a rejection. But talking about this, I have a question. Is all rejection subjective i like the way you said that rejection is vomiting but we'll come on to physical vomiting later but is rejection in the emotional way is it subjective do you think is it really subjective this, so is, my, this is my first yeah, my, my first quick question that i want to propose and just kind of talk about it's not a kind of trick question or, or kind of like a trap it's it's more more kind of like to us and to everyone to say is it subjective is rejection subjective because then it makes us question the attachments we have and the way that we put rules in place to say what's possible and what's not possible and then it also makes us question the way that we interact with ourselves and other people and how we're perceiving that as well and situations too so I'm working with a client at the moment who is trying to work through a lot of trauma about their childhood, like their relationship with the family. And the, just to give a bit of background, the, the client has been always been very well provided for, very well cared for. Um, financially, the family is very stable. And like it seems to, from the out, on the outside, it feels like a very, very good, well-established family. Um, everyone looks happy kind of thing on the photos. Um, but then the feeling that was described is that during their childhood, it, there's a feeling of isolation and loneliness where the child hasn't been really careful, emotionally speaking. Like there's no neglect or anything. Um, there's no abuse or any form. And again, like everything's paid for, everything's well established, but the child doesn't feel emotionally connected to the family a lot of the time or accepted. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that, now there's conflict where the, 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 the client that I'm working with has um, kind of conflict with their mother, where the mother's like, well, I'm, 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 I'm loving you. I, I have always loved you. I've always cared for you because I've always provided for you. From the mother's point of view, that the love was represented in a very materialistic way. Mm -hmm. 
which is, is her way of expression of love. Um, but from the client's point of view, it's like, but I didn't feel the emotion that should come with it. Like I didn't get the motherly love that I should get um, from you. Uh, so, so my client ended up feeling very rejected. Mm. And their mother felt also feel very rejected. It's like, oh, why didn't you accept the love that I gave you in the form of like materialism? So I think I think to answer your question, yes, I think rejection probably is quite subjective because how we choose to connect, how we choose to attach, how we choose to um, provide in some way or to accept also reflects on how we choose to be rejected, how we regard being rejected. It's like one person's love actually means maybe nothing for someone else or less important, let's not say loving, less significant for the other person, whilst the other person may want something that the other person doesn't even consider. So there is a huge amount of expectation, individual perception involved in this, and a lack of communication, quite a lot that occurs. And I think the expectation is very interesting because, again, when it comes down to things like uh, love, when when children say, I, I wasn't loved, and the parent says, well, I loved you intensely. I mean, what didn't you understand about that? I threw everything I had at you. You know, I gave you everything. And the child's saying, well, I just wasn't, you know, I just didn't get what I needed. And now I ended up in therapy with Dr. Stanford Wong. And, and, I, and I just, I, I, do you see what I mean? There's this kind of, but there's this sort of, this expectation of also what it is we want and we want to hear and we need to hear and how we interpret what someone else is actually doing and what they're saying and how there's a mistranslation between those things and the pain of that then leads to this this sense of this feeling of rejection it's a Again, we can, you know, scenario after scenario after scenario is that it's, um, you know, someone says they're going to call you and I'll, I'll give you a call tomorrow. And it, 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 for you, it's very important that they give you a call. And the other person's like, yeah, yeah, I'll call you tomorrow. And what happens is that three days later, they haven't called and you're like, they don't like me. I'm, you know, this, this, this. So there's a, a response that occurs at that point. And I think that rejection response is a very, very interesting one because it tells a lot about the default mechanism with people. So quite often I find that in a lot of situations like this, people default and put the blame on themselves. I did something bad. I did something wrong. I feel this, this, this. So they take that rejection and instead of actually looking at it in a realistic way, which is, you know what, at the end of the day, the person didn't call you, maybe they forgot, maybe that, you know, and they're like, I've just been ghosted, you know, it's the worst form of rejection, it's this has happened, this has happened, their stability and their confidence has been deeply affected. And the thing is, is that if you have stability, and if you have confidence, then actually what appears to be a rejection is not a rejection. Interesting, isn't it? Absolutely. Yes, it's that element of self-criticism and almost um, a deficient or yeah, deficiency of self-worth that seems to make the whole rejection worse. 
because what you said reminds me of a situation where I think a client of mine has plans with their friends, I think. And then they couldn't, they have to change it in the last minute because something else happened with another person. I was like, oh, um, I can't see you tonight because I have to see this other person because I have to support them through something. There's something going on that's important. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I have to change plans. Um, what ended up happening is the, the first friend that, that has the original plan feel really, really hurt and rejected and say, oh, I, I'm always there for people. I just want to have a nice dinner with you. Why can't you make it? Da, 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 da. It's like, and it is that rejection. It's like, well, actually, it, it, in a lot of way, it wasn't about you because an emergency happened. It wasn't because you're not important. It's not because you're not a good friend, but emergency happens. Um, but the, but the, then, as you said, the, the, I think what seems to have kicked in is the self-criticism. It's like, oh, it's about me. Then my friend doesn't want to see me, doesn't want to spend time with me, or the other person seems to be more important. And, and all these kind of self-narrative that suddenly start coming into the equation where brings up a lot of pain as you said or as we have said um brought out a lot of desire that wasn't met but a lot of questioning about the attachment that they have formed already and and that is the difficult part but i wonder why did you want to explore if rejection is subjective or not earlier on well because i think that people deal with situations in different ways so let me give you an example this week i've spoken to someone who's head of sales and he's head of sales in his organization and for him when he's rejected by a client which is no he thinks no is a great answer so he doesn't the next client however in a client-facing situation he's very happy but with regard to his boss and the hierarchy, it, it, there's a different relationship. And actually, he needs to be looked after, communicated with, talked to. Otherwise, he feels very different. So in different scenarios, in different situations, the same person, based on their attachments, based on their identity of their role, can actually take you know, rejection in a very different way. So it's why I start to ask. I also, you know, I remember working with uh, an exotic dancer. And they said to me, it was one of the most difficult roles ever, because the only thing you've got is yourself. And then people can reject you very, very quickly and make comments on it. With actresses that I've worked with, the to go into something, give everything, and then wait to either be accepted or rejected. And it's brutal. It's really, really brutal. And so it, why do some people succeed in that environment and move on really, really quickly? And why do other people, it, it just hurts them so much? And this is why I ask the question whether it's subjective. I think also, I think it's not only about being subjective, it's also the, the type of relationship that one person is comfortable with. Because like your clients in sales, the rejection with, oh, sorry, the rejection from his clients and customers almost can be seen as a rejection from peers. 
you know, the, 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 the level of hierarchy, so to speak, is more equal in some way, whilst the rejection from um, his boss or superior is more from like a slightly higher authoritative figure. And sometimes it's that level as well, where maybe I'd be very happy to be rejected by my friends, but not so much by my boss and parents. And that is actually quite a typical scenario where actually, because you, you, we, we communicate with our peers in a very, very different way, or we have very, very different patterning with our friends compared to with our parents and superior. That, that. So it makes the comfort of being told yes or no, it will be very different. I, I love the I love the bringing in of exotic dancers and actresses or actors or actors, um, where your own performance is being criticized and saying yes or no very, very quickly. But I was trying to think, isn't that for most of us as well? Because we we do something. And yes, sometimes we can get we can hide behind certain identity or certain titles. But ultimately, it's our performance that gets judged all the time, that's get almost evaluating, criticized all the time. And the response, um, I hope people don't mind me saying it this way, I think maybe the Britishness of response sometimes more <laughs> courteous, more, more, more gentle, but we will still get a lot of rejections. We still get a lot of rejections and criticism all the time where you've done some a good job, you didn't do such a good job. Well, that's very interesting. <laughs> that can, you know, we, we how we take these comments and internalize them and then move on because we ultimately need to keep carrying on. You, rather, the, the response was yay or nay. We still need to carry on, on with the relationship. I think if, that if, is interesting. But... Yeah, if, if we take it personally, so how personally we take take it? Does that make sense? So the more personal and porous, sensitive we are, how we take it, I think almost makes the situation self-fulfilling. So the do, does that make sense, Stanford? Yes. But again, that kind of bring, brings it back to the earlier point where, you know, if I rejected the situation first, then the situation can't reject me. Mm. Almost, as you say, it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. But, but, in, but in a way, that also becomes a protective mechanism for people and a coping mechanism in situations. So if I reject someone before they reject me, so if I dump, if I dump them, then actually then it saves me from being dumb you know so there's this kind of these mechanisms that occur but also within all of it is that there is a there is an inevitability associated with the interactions that are occurring going to diverge a little bit into a psychological point of view because when you talk about in inevitability um, things based, that brings based, based, on, based on patterns Okay, based on so what I'm doing is I'm saying I'm not not talking from a global point of view. I'm talking about from a predictable pattern point of view. So the predictable pattern point of view is that if I give an example, we get into a relationship, we think that it, it looks different, but it's exactly the same, and so we 
behave in a particular way where what we're doing is we're trying to let's say for the person that opened this with they're trying to get commitment from someone that can't give commitment so in a way the fulfillment of the whole thing is going to be rejection and that's been a story that's happened again and again and again in aspects of their life so that's what i mean by inevitable and self-fulfilling as well do you understand the sort of case i mean yes but i'm also thinking in terms of denial because denial itself can be a form of rejection as well where you you are rejecting the reality of oh, I'm rejecting the reality of the situations. Mm. Um, and the reason why I'm saying I'm digressing is because when you talk about inevitab- inevitability, I think about death. Yeah. Yes, I often do. Um, and and in bereavement model, we, we know there's always the five stages of the five steps within the cycle and denial often is a step. Mm. And also den- denial is a great coping mechanism. I, I honestly think it's a great coping mechanism because sometimes we get so overloaded by um, stimulations or by emotions or by psychological stress and pain. And actually to have a step away from the reality is actually protective. You, you, you need to have that distance so that you can create capacity then to step back in to deal with the situations. Um, I think, I think the problem with denial is when you kind of get stuck in denial and you, you don't want to then re-emerge and you know, re-enter into reality, then that becomes a problem. Mm. Or the lack of awareness that you are in denial, that can be also be in the problem. But I think that the, the rejections of reality itself is very interesting because why would we reject the pre- our, our perception or our perceived reality? Um, what, what is so painful about it? Um, again, I'll start. I'll start something slightly, slightly more like on the physical realm before I go deeper into the psychological realm, which is um, migrations. Um, we had a chat about this once before in the supervision sessions um, in the in the in the psychiatry supervision, where actually migration itself can be viewed as a form of big rejections and pain because. Then, yes, obviously, there are most of the time you're migrating to a place for betterments and you trying to establish new life or new pattern. There's the hope or dreams or something in a new location. But very often you also represent there must be something quite, quite painful in the original location that you had to migrate away from. You're, you're rejecting the original place or sometimes even your birthplace. So, so what is that pain represent and why why are we moving away from it so i i find i find that kind of rejection from that perspective also very interesting did i tell you about the um the case that i worked on um with the guy that emigrated to australia and so he was getting into relationships in, in this country in a particular way. And so he rejected his family, rejected everything, and left and moved to the other side of the world, and then got into similar types of relationships there. So it's almost in a way, it's very interesting how we use rejection. And we think that actually by using it, by cutting, by doing the things that we do, that we're going to solve something. But actually, the rejection doesn't. You're just putting yourself into a similar situation again somewhere else. 
exactly. And talking about more about the psychological rejections and the reality, obviously, yes, so denial is one form, but in a lot of ways, psychosis can be another as well, where, where the person's perception or their chose perception, I have to be very careful, or reality is very different to other people's. And I, I sometimes do wonder why, what, like kind of like the migration example, in order to move from one reality to another, what, what must be so painful in the original one um, that, you know, not an ex escape, but as a coping mechanism, you have to go to the other side. I don't know, have, do you have much experience about denial and or rejection of reality in your yeah. work? In yoga, we, we, we look at it as delusion and how someone actually believes that they're something they're actually not. So they actually really reject the, who they really are and create a fantasy about who they think they are. And so it's very interesting with what everything that you've just spoken about in the last few minutes, because you've actually mentioned the whole yoga model, the meditation model, which is the basis of understanding who we think we are and the rejection of who we think we are to find out who we actually are and going on that process because it's a movement from instability to stability because when we get to a point of stability there isn't the concept of rejection is nothing that actually creates pain for us there is no pain. There's no coping mechanisms that are needed within this. So with everything that you're saying, I find really interesting because I, in my mind, I'm how yoga's models are presenting it. And with regard to delusion is that delusion comes out of things like rejection and fear and attachment and desire. Um, but it's also something that's linked very strongly with anger as well. And so delusion and anger go very strongly together. And if you also think about this is that, and, and why I really like what you're saying is that when I start to look at how in yoga rejection is described as a, it's, it, and it's described as a special kind of desire, you can start to see that why if rejection is a special type of desire and it's got anger within it and the line between love, which is an aspect of desire as well. How the line between these two things can be sort of blurred very quickly, how things can flip in one way or another way because of the attachments that we actually have. Does that make any sense? I don't know if that... Yes, it does, because actually I've written in my notes where depression can also fall in the realm of rejection as well, where there's, we, we've spoken about this before, where there's a lot of anger involved, but that's also... I, I wouldn't want to say there's not a willingness to be happy, but there's almost a rejection of being happy because the situation makes it very difficult for the person or, or the previous pattern experience makes it very difficult for a person to have a better mood or better energy level, better enjoyment in life. Mm. And, and it becomes very, very difficult that they, for them to not push the chance or opportunity to be happy away. Mm. And, and it's, 
and as you said, that that all links to what they're being angry with, what they are happy to be attached to, what do they actually desire, how can they actually fulfill them, uh, how do they verbalize all, all of these as well, and how do they communicate effectively, and and with the hopes of not being rejected for a second time round, because a lot of these uh, sometimes are within within the construct of our own mind, and we've spoken about that a lot, where we're so clever in a way we can plan and um would be creative and have, you know recreate things because we just remember them and we remember the feelings of them but sometimes we that creates a trap as well where we create these fearful situation in our own head which is just as fearful as pain itself the actual pain itself but but it's all creative construct um i was looking at Apparently, some um, scientists and doctors probably have um, used the fMRI machines, the functional MRI machine, to um, map brain regions that got activated when they are reminded of situations or what then when they recount situations where they feel hurt and rejected. Apparently, it's exactly the same regions as um, when we experience physical pain. So, so, so. The pain itself, sort of psychological pain, which I think is relatively new terms, really real, apparently, from the brain scan model. Because actually what you're saying is that when someone's saying, I'm I'm scared that I'm going to get hurt, it's actually the embodiment of that pain that is the it, it is almost like a fantasy that actually causes a deep pain within things. It's very interesting. If we take this one step further with regard to rejection. How do people, how do people deal with, how do they cope with the different ways that the rejection presents itself to them? We've got different mechanisms like denial. We've got conflict, which occurs as well, because when they are rejected, they fight. Other people kind of accept it very quietly and kind of walk away, you know, or, or they just kind of accept it and just carry on with things. Some people ignore it and keep going. Some people um, push forwards and try and change the situation. Do you know what I mean? So there's lots of different responses to the perceived rejection that occurs. Yes, but I think ultimately, as we keep saying, is 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 a function of protection. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's a, like all these manifestation of rejection. It's it's trying to be there to protect, and and that's why I think sometimes it's very interesting to look back into the physical representation of re rejection because in my mind is much easier to understand from that point of view you know at the beginning we talked about like physical vomiting as a form of rejection where we are literally ejecting things yes. that could potentially be toxin toxic to our body that may be actual toxin or poisoned or virus bacteria fungi whatever it may be um and, and it's, it's like other things like burping coughing and things like that and sneezing we, we we are protecting ourselves or even in our immune, immunity system, we are protecting ourselves away from things that potentially can harm us. 
So these reactions can be natural and good, but sometimes these things can go into overdrive, like in an autoimmune disease, where your immune system just worked so excessively um, against something that is not needing that response. So like in autoimmune disease, I don't know, something like Graves' disease or lupus and things like that, where your immunity is just going to hyperdrive. And there seems to be a common thread of symptoms that often come, which is like fatigue, because your body's overworking. There's an underlying of fever. There is a lack of appetite or there's digestive issues. There is a metab metabolism issues and there's a skin, musculoskeletal issues. And almost in some way, I was like, actually, that state, it can also be quite psychological because when we feel rejected that, you know, you feel tired, you feel achy, you feel, uh, you feel under the weather, you don't want to eat or you have digestive issues. That, that There is a very clever parallel almost like how rejection in the physical realm can map in the emotional and psychological realm. And could it be the other way around? Because the the one of the biggest questions being proposed well and, and i don't have any research on this so i can't sort of turn around and say but one of the biggest things within yoga and ayurveda is that the this subtle process that's happening especially the default process where people reject a situation let's say be, beat themselves up as part of this and they turn things into themselves rather than actually process things in the right way how does that affect the system and is there a correlation between this type of internal emotional rejection, which is done to the self, which is, you know, it, and, and it's like you mentioned, it's, it's also it's a delusional state. It, it, it's, 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 it's actually rejecting the reality of a situation. And is there a correlation between that and the physical symptoms that people then experience that appear over a longer period of time of that constant patterning being built up internally within the system? It's a question because I don't have any research on it. And I I would like to, you know, I, I, I'm just going to leave it as an open-ended question to reflect upon rather than sort of say there is this or there is that. Because for me, it, 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 these cycles of push and pull of acceptance and rejection, fundamentally, the at the end of the day, all of us actually really want to fit in with each other. You know, we want to belong. We want to be accepted by each other. We want to be loved. And that's on the one hand. And then on the other hand, we want to be fiercely independent and stand on our own and be a success and, you know, be able to do, you know, not, not you know, be different. So we have these kind of opposing forces that are constantly at play within us one where we also want to be accepted and the other is that we actually reject other people based on our perceptions of them or ourselves because of our perception of ourselves so there's this kind of this dynamic that's constantly going on in forwards and backwards and i'm just kind of looking at this and looking at what you're saying with regard to this, this, this physical symptoms and this deep underlying patterning as well. And I'd like to propose that actually rejection is a fundamental part of us. It's something that actually 
like you say with vomiting, it's something natural, like fear is. Fear keeps us alive. I think that rejection also keeps us alive and independent, and it, it gives a different edge to things. So I think it fundamentally it's part of us, and I think we cannot escape it, no matter what. And I think I agree with you where, I'm not, I think I agree with you, I agree with you, <laughs> you where... <can. laughs> I think um, where, where rejection itself can be very, very protective. Like the examples yeah. that we've been given over, over and over again, it's protective. So there, there's a place in our life where rejection needs to be there. And just as we discussed before, there is a place in our life where pain needs to be there as well. I think, I think you used the word punishment very wisely earlier on how I gave an example of myself and then you said I'm being punished as the psychiatrist or as the therapist and I think I think that is when we have to be more mindful when rejections are being used as a form of punishment either to other peoples or to ourselves because that happens both ways or sometimes both at the same time it, it that I think is the time when we have to be a little bit more cautious with rejection where are we using it because or are, is it being used being utilized naturally because it's protective or are we using it as a coping mechanism or as a way in shapes or form of running away from something or to create conflicts to express anger and is that the most non-painful way of things that we are non-painful way of doing things in our life sorry not being eloquent anymore um so yeah I, th I think that will be the question is when 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 and how do we recognize rejection as no longer protective and actually just being hurtful and painful right so there becomes a line with it and actually quite often we don't understand that in the first instance what rejection does is it is it really keeps us moving in society and keeps us moving with ourselves but like you're saying, there becomes a line when the mechanisms that we put in place to protect ourselves actually no longer protect us for the good. They actually protect us for the bad. We don't evolve. So we start to get no in relationships. We start to go, no, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to do that. And we sabotage the relationships we're actually in, whether those relationships are with ourselves or with other people. So there is this line and the awareness of that line is is kind of difficult for a lot of people because they don't realize what they're doing you, you know you don't understand that you're in pain and someone goes to you goes to you someone says to you you're in pain and you're like no i'm not and actually you're creating all these different behaviors which demonstrate really clearly that actually you're using it as a mechanism like you've always used it as a mechanism but you're unaware that you're using it as a mechanism and it's not helping you it really isn't. When you said that, when you said that, I just suddenly realized numbness may be quite a good topic to talk about sometime. Um, because I was reading <laughs> I was reading this book about pain as well, where it gives the example. The person's constantly kind of being burned in fire. That was the description that was being given in the book, where there was so much anger, so much hatred, and so much frustration. It feels like it's a constantly burning fire within the person's vein and everything. But the person doesn't feel the pain, not that because it wasn't there. It was because it's easier to not connect, as maybe as we've been talking about, it's easier to reject the sensation of pain as well, so that they can carry on. Um, 
because all the other emotions have been there. And I think that was quite a strong image that got in my head as I was reading it, because that then there's there must be a driving force of why we're rejecting like such a basic function of pain, such such a like what 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 is overriding that basic function? I, I just find fascinating. But also, what is it that we're actually protecting as well when we're using this? You know, this is another question. So these are interesting questions because actually they're, they're, they're fundamental questions to be reflected upon because it, it, in a way, what what you know, what is it? Because when we start to strip it all away, how important? I feel like tonight we're gonna just gonna leave it, leave the webinar with many, many questions, many more questions than we start with. So talking about that what, what's come out of this webinar for you what's the what's the these i think i will i'll be leaving pondering even more why we reject mm. as you said i i've done some research but i'm not sure i got the answer i think i will keep pondering why we reject mm. and how we reject how we reject is 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 i i, I spoke to someone earlier on today and they said, how does ego and pride trump love, loyalty, and care for other human beings? How does ambition, social validation, and being accepted into our peer group of choice seem the most important thing? So we actually reject love, we reject care, reject other human beings for these things i thought this was pretty powerful so i'd like to thank you for that these aren't my words so i acknowledge it it's I a very interesting to end on. yeah it's a very interesting subject so can i just say thank you so much sanford no thank you too and thank you all for joining well, i think we're also Are we talking about acceptance next time? Maybe. Maybe. Um, can I just say thank you for joining us here in Hong Kong at the moment? Um, so thank you. It's it's now coming up to three o'clock in the morning. Perfect. So three o'clock in the morning, almost time to get up. Um, over this time zone, I think we're all about to go to bed. So just thank you so, so much. Um, thank you for everyone joining us and we really look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.